If, like me, you run a photography business, then no doubt there are bits of software you call on every single day. Of course, there's Photoshop and Lightroom, and then there's Word or Google Docs or whatever it is. But there must also be software that tracks your clients. For us here at the studio, it, that software is light blue, and we have used it for about 10 or 11 years or so. So it's a huge pleasure this week to have the guy that dreamt it up. Tom Catterside from lightbluesoftware.com is on the podcast to tell us how they are helping photographers just like me. I'm Paul, and this is the Mastering Portrait Photography Podcast. Ah, hello one and all. I hope you're well. I hope the sun is streaming in through the windows just like it is here. Of course, we're still in lockdown, which has its own stresses and strains, but I hope in this time you're finding at least some ways of staying positive and upbeat. Certainly here, it looks like we're going to be coming out of such strict restrictions in the next couple of weeks. So we're beginning to prepare ourselves for all of the things that need to be in place for that, which is to say everything I should have done over the previous 10 weeks. But nonetheless, nonetheless, it's nice to know that things are beginning to change. Now, this particular podcast, uh, one caveat I have to say is this podcast is done over Zoom. I've managed so far so far to stay away from doing Zoom interviews, but I couldn't do it this time uh, because the message to get out was too important and too timely uh, and me waiting until lockdown is restricted, uh, sorry, de-restricted wasn't practicable. Tom from Light Blue reached out a couple of weeks ago and asked me if I would let everybody that we have, both as members on Mastering Portrait Photography and our listeners to the podcast, whether we could let everybody know that they are doing their bit to support photographers who may be finding it tough during the COVID lockdown. Uh, Light Blue Software are running an offer, and that offer is for 50% off your subscription, 50% over a period of six months if you're being impacted by COVID-19. And if you are a photographer, I have almost no doubt that you are. Now, better than that, this also applies to new customers. So if you're not using Light Blue software and you're at the moment thinking, well, give it another six months uh, and maybe I'll be in a position to, well, you might be in a good position to try now because you will get 50% off your subscription. If you're interested, just go to lightbluesoftware.com, hit the big red banner that appears at the top and it will take you to a page describing the offer and how to apply. Now, Light Blue uh, is at the heart of our business here, but I just want to be clear, I'm not sponsored by Light Blue. In fact, I pay my subs just like everybody else, and I have done for the past decade. I pay my subs because I need something like Light Blue at the heart of our business. I need to be able to track every client, every job, every sale, every invoice. Every photographer, every professional photographer should have some method of tracking. There are different packages out there. We've tried a few of them. I've always come back to light blue. Why? Well, because it's simply the most usable. It has the best functions. It has the nicest interface and it runs across all of our devices. So I can log in on my phone, my iPad, uh, my Mac or a PC. It doesn't really matter. The software turns up, does its job and allows me to do mine. So although I've tried other solutions, I haven't found one uh, that is better than this. 
And I'm saying all of this because I like light blue. And I've, there's a couple of venues, a slight aside, but there's a point to it. There are a couple of venues that uh, we are the partner photographer. We're the recommended photographer, or one of the recommended photographers um, on their roster. No money changes hands. The venues recommend us because they like us and because they like what we do and rate us. They also use us for their work. There are a few venues in the area where if you pay them a princely sum of 15 or 20% of whatever money you take in their venue, they will recommend you. But that's not a recommendation. That's paid for advertising. My point is this. This is why I'm talking about light blue. I use light blue every single day. Myself and the two members of my team are logging into Light Blue and using its functionality to drive this business. We put data in on all the jobs and we extract reports out that tell us what on earth is going on at any one time. I could not be without it and I'm recommending it because I like it. I think the software is brilliant. I think the guys who've put it together are responsive and they really understand photographers' needs. And during this interview, you'll find out just why. So just remember, there's an offer on lightbluesoftware.com. We're going to hit it again during the interview and then again at the end as a wrap up just so that I can be I can say to the guys at Light Blue I did I told everybody I couldn't have told them anymore enjoy the interview there's a couple of bits where it's a little bit technical because both myself and Tom are from well distinctly dweeby backgrounds and we do, <laughs> do occasionally wander off into the world of techie I've cut quite a large chunk of that out because as much as myself and Tom enjoyed the chat enormously I'm not sure every photographer listening to the interview would uh, I do start this interview though by asking him, why does he enjoy coding so much? I really like um, the combination of the, the technical side of it, but also the creativity yeah. as well, um, because acts. Yeah, the, the goal is that at the end of the day, I have created something that didn't exist at the start of the yeah. day. Um, and, you know, you can do that in a whole variety of fields. And, you know, I used to be a wedding photographer. So, you know, that's that's sort of where I used to sort of get that kick from. Um, but you can do exactly the same thing with software as yeah. well. You have to sort of take a, a set of problems, work out what you think is the most elegant solution that's going to work for the people that you're producing software for, um, and then you know, work out how to, to deal with that problem. So how did you move out of being a wedding photographer into writing a software package that supports photographers? It was kind of two things running alongside each other. So I started out as a wedding photographer um, soon after I left university. So that would have been, I think, 2003. What did you study? And um, economics, of all things. Um, and uh, when I was setting up my photography business, my then-girlfriend, now-wife Helen, was setting up a children and family photography business as well. And because I was a nerd, I wanted to have a system to keep myself organized. Um, and at the time, my photography business was part time as well. Yeah. So I knew that I had to be absolutely on top of all the opportunities that came along, be very, very organized, because otherwise I wasn't going to be able to keep on top of everything. So I built the system, which eventually became Light right. Blue back in 2003 and kept on evolving that as my photography business grew to the point where I became a full-time photographer for a while. 
And um, yeah, and then it sort of basically got to the point where I had um, enough friends in the photography industry who were bugging me to use this software to run their own businesses that I thought, well, maybe I should actually turn this into a business. It was it was on FileMaker, wasn't it, when it started out? Yeah, once upon a time. Yeah. Yes, yes. So for, for those of you who aren't familiar with that, um, FileMaker is... Um, it's a, it's a database app which allows you to build your own databases and your own applications. Um, it's been around a really long time. Um, to be honest, I haven't kept up to date with what they're doing these days. Um, but it's the kind of thing where if you are of a technical inclination and you want to build a system to organize data, then you can do that relatively easily. Um, and yeah, that's what I built the original version of Light Blue in. Um, when I was building something to run my business and Helen's business. Um, and when I founded the company, I got together with a friend that I had um, worked on with some other projects uh, called Hamish. And then we sort of polished it to the point where we thought it was uh, it was going to be sort of a high enough quality for other people to use. Um, because there's a very big difference between building a system to run your own business and making it robust enough yeah. that other people can download it, install it, use it. Um, yeah, I, I, maybe there's some kind of comparison you could make to <laughs> yeah, taking snaps for your own enjoyment and, yeah. uh, and then having something which is going to be good enough to sort of put in a shop window and sell to people. Um, yeah, so that's that's the origin. Um, for quite quickly after we launched the business um, with a product built on FileMaker, then... Um, I was already at the point where my ambitions for the products were beyond what we could achieve with FileMaker. Um, So you could build systems quite quickly, but um, we were wanting to do more interesting things in terms of providing features that you just couldn't create with FileMaker, especially such as um, the the model that Light Blue has, where you have an app that you install on your computer, you've got the data locally, but also online services when you do have an internet connection. And um, certainly at the time, I thought it was very important to be able to have the data locally um, and do things online so you could synchronize your data between several different devices, do things like online contract signing and forms, um, but not be completely dependent on an internet connection yeah. because you know lots of our customers are living in places with inconsistent broadband speeds um, or maybe you're using your phone at a wedding with you know in airplane mode or something like that. Yeah, no, I have to say um, it was because although I've been using it since FileMaker, well, sorry, from, since the FileMaker days, my dream was always that you'd progress to an app and hub, a spoken hub, basic mm. model because once you get to that point i mean sorry for, for people who listen to this who are not technical there's me and there's me and tom we will deep dive this i am sure uh, i don't mean to um the the point of it is you can use light blue and i was wanted to better use light blue anywhere you could use it offline but know that when eventually i went back online everything would sync up correctly. So if I was inputting data about my client, the people back at the office were inputting data about possibly the same client, you know, but different aspects of Mm -hmm. it. When I kept back onto the network, everything would sort itself out, report any conflicts. And then it's a bit like using Outlook on a phone or mail on a phone. Most of the mail, you know, you have a big server somewhere that has all of the information, but you have enough on your phone to be able to still do your day job even when you're in airplane mode. And that's what's really important to me anyway, as a photographer, that's important. Yeah, having that combination of 
being able to work with LightBlue offline and um, be able to sync your data. Yeah, I think that's that's pretty unique um, in terms of this sort of class of app. Um, what we've seen a lot more of since we launched the business 11 years ago now, actually. Um, yeah, we, we've seen a lot more um, in terms of systems moving to being entirely web-based. Yes. Um, which, you know, it, it has lots of advantages um, as far as, you know, the company producing those systems um, are concerned. Yeah. Um, but the the big downside is, you know, addressing you know, all of those photographers who need to be able to work with their data when they're out and about. Yeah. So if you're having a meeting with a client out on location or in a cafe, I mean, we can dream of getting back to that, can't we, I guess? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, or, or if you've got your phone in airplane mode, then um, yeah, no, it's a, it's a, a unique way of approaching now, it. Now, I've used this software for the best part of a decade, essentially, since I started the business all the way through to now, where there's three of us here full time um, using exactly the same software. How do, you, how do you go about designing something that's going to support everything from a beginning small business with just one person, probably part time, all the way up? to let's say the bigger studios one of the things i find really interesting about this is that i think when i started the business i had fairly set ideas about what working as a photographer was like and um how people run their businesses something that becomes really apparent when you're working with thousands of photographers all over the world is that everyone runs their photography business in a slightly different way um, and I think that's part of the nature of the industry in that very few people get into the photography industry specifically because they want to run a business. Yeah. Um, I think most photographers are coming at it from a sort of a creative angle. Um, and I think that means that everybody has a, a different approach to how they want to run their business. Um, and some of that is regional. So people in different countries have different ideas. Most of our customers are still in the UK, though. Um, that's that's very much our base. Okay. And, of course, we're based in the UK as well. So, you know, that's that's something that we really like. Um, and, uh, yeah, because people have that, that sort of different approach, then we've got everything from the individual photographer running their business. And maybe it's a, a high-volume business because they're running a sort of a high street studio or maybe it's a, a lower volume sort of wedding business or something like that. Um, and at the other extreme, we've got franchises using it where you've effectively got several studios using the same like blue yeah. account with enormous quantities of data yeah. in there. Um, and yeah, dealing with all of those different approaches, you know, it, it's something that we're having to constantly evolve to, to accommodate. Um, and it's definitely, it's one of the most interesting design challenges is making sure that the system works really well for someone who's just starting out in the business, as well as someone who is running several studios through one system. Yeah, no, I, I can completely appreciate that. I mean, one thing that used to fascinate, fascinate me when I worked with uh, creative companies, music companies um, and AOL, because we worked with their design teams, is it doesn't really matter what I anticipated the system I was building for them doing. Yeah, we had, I mean, we had, you have a team of three, we had a team of 70 um, doing the analysis and the requirements and then we're designing the system and we're going to test it. Is It didn't really matter in the end what I thought every user was going to do. Creative people will do it their own way. <laughs> and they will, they will just do it their own way. There's no getting around it. There's no avoiding it. They will find ways of doing things and breaking things. But equally, that's a good thing. Because if they, if creative people, when they bump into a bump stop and can't do it the way 
maybe you'd intended it or maybe the way they it should be done. Yes, use the word should. Um, they will find a way around it. They'll bastardize a field or they'll find a different thing to call something else. You know, and I just think it's fascinating designing systems for creatives because they are creative. It's, and it's the old thing with Photoshop. You know, there's 25 ways to do anything. And the reason being, they built it for creatives. So it's a, it's a lovely thing. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I think this is a very similar analogy. Yeah. So we, we build tools to help people organize and run a successful business. Um, there are lots of tools. Um, and the system is designed to grow with photographers as well. Um, but we also provide lots of help alongside that because, again, we know that you know it's not a one-size-fits-all thing. We're not going to tell you to run your photography business in a very specific way. We want to provide you with the tools to help your business to grow and make sure that you know Light Blue has you know room for you to expand into. What if if you were talking to a photographer tomorrow? who is not using their data, what would you say to them about the power of their data? I mean, it's hugely important because uh, I, I suppose the first question to sort of address here is, I mean, what do you mean by data? Because I think lots of people don't really think in, in those sort of terms. They're going to be thinking much more in terms of, okay, I've got some clients or potential clients. Um, I've got, you know, the shoots that my business is built around. Um, hopefully you're making some money and invoicing your clients um, and maybe you're starting to get to a point where you know you need to get a bit more organized in how you approach all of that. Um, so that's something that you or I might consider to be data and something to be managed like that. Um, but I think lots of photographers won't quite think of it in those terms. But once you start to realize what kind of tools are available to you, um, in light blue, then um, you can start to do really useful things with that. So we've designed the system to bring all the data that you need to run your business together into one place. So all of that information, all of your clients details, the shoots details, everything you need to make sure you're delivering a really great service to your clients uh, for each and every one of your shoots. That's all together in one system. And when that is together in one system, that means you can do really useful things with it. So, for example, if I wanted to get an overview of how particular types of marketing are working, all of that information is joined together in Light Blue. So I can use powerful reporting tools to show me, you know, this much of my work came from Facebook advertising, this much of my work came from referrals. Um, so you can start to see really useful patterns um, and work out sort of really important strategic decisions about how you're going to run your business, how you're going to grow your business uh, based on on that sort of thing. <laughs> so but, I'm listening to an economist. I mean, that's essentially <laughs> what I'm listening to, right? I've, I've had enough conversations with my wife to know when I'm listening to an economist. Well, I, I do like statistics yeah. and data, so yes. <laughs> but it's, it's powerful, right? Um, Oh, totally. Yes. Um, and that's that's one of the um, the big focuses that we've had since the beginning is providing you with tools to make the most of that, um, which means that you can be very specific about how you want to run your business and make the most of the opportunities to come along. So an example that I give regularly to people is, um, let's say in the run up to Christmas, you're doing something like a print sale and you want to work out who to target. You can be incredibly specific about that. So you could say, okay, I want to find all of my clients that I've done this particular type of shoot with in this calendar year. 
um, but I want to focus to start off with on only the people who've spent a certain amount with me. So I want to focus on my best clients. So you know, that's very easy to do. Um, something that's going to be relevant to a lot of people coming up in the near future once studios are starting to get back into business, once location portraits are starting to, to happen again, is working out um, which of your previous clients are going to be sort of good, um, good people to reach out to, who's going to be most receptive to your, your marketing messages once things start to get back to normal. And having all of that data there in the system you know, gives you a fantastic starting point for that. Okay. At this point, I'm going to jump in. I tried to ask this question about eight different ways during the interview, and I never quite managed to find the words. So I'm going to explain now what I was trying to ask, and it's simple, really. What is Tom's advice for you as a photographer when you're first starting to put data into one of these systems? Because you can live with the mistakes you make at the beginning, for the entire lifetime of that platform. You know, I haven't gone back and changed the data in any meaningful sense from those clients I had a decade ago. And so I just was curious, but couldn't find the words for it, which is why I've jumped in onto the interview. I couldn't find the words to ask that, but I somehow managed to get him talking about it. I think it's something that people don't really think about to start off with. Um, because they're often just thinking in terms of, okay, right, there's a specific feature that I want to use. So just, you know, show me the quickest way to, to get to that. And, you know, that's absolutely fine. But as you say, um, longer term, especially if you're running uh, maybe a, a kind of a high volume business or a business with lots of repeat customers, um, then being able to work with your database, identify which customers you want to sort of send messages to and so on. Yeah, that's really important. So, um, you know, we encourage that in you know, a variety of different ways. So, um, you know, even though photographers have a lot of flexibility about how they use Lightblue and which parts of it they want to use, then the design of it tries to channel people in a certain direction. So making sure you're gathering the most important information. So I'd say, for example, when you're taking a new inquiry from a client, the most important bits of information are going to be who are you speaking to? How can you get back in touch with them? And how did they hear about you? Because uh, those first two bits of information allow you to actually nurture that lead and convert that inquiry into a booking. Um, and how do they hear about you means that you've got the basic information that you need to see how effective your marketing is and where you're getting your business from. So just by encouraging people to do that sort of thing to start off with means that you're gathering the data that you need to, to work on later on. One of the things that we have been um, sort of driving towards over the last few years, though, is making it easy for your clients to work with you as a photographer as well, though. So lots of the online tools that we've been creating um, make it more possible essentially for your client to do some of your admin for you. So that means that you as the business owner can just then sort of take the information that clients are typing into things like the questionnaires you can send out from Lightblue, and then you can uh, basically collate that data um, and bring it back into the system. Now, when I say a word like collate that data, that starts to sound complicated. Essentially, it's just a case of review it with a couple of clicks, Lightblue puts all of that data into the right place but you're giving your clients the opportunity to see the data that you've got um, about them, tidy that up, fill in the blanks for you, 
and help to basically administer your database for you while you retain control over all of that. I mean, that's a, it's a really powerful thing, and it sounds like a neat point to ask you about GDPR. Mm. Which, of course... What would you like to know? <laughs> well, I think people are nervous about it's data. It's a big and hairy topic. Yeah, it is. And, of course, it, was, it caused a lot of headlines all around the world. Um, and as mm. any biz- all businesses have to have data on their clients, and yet if you read the headlines, all businesses were being told to burn their databases. I mean, it was, I mean, it's dramatic stuff. And of course, the reality was far less, uh, far less dramatic than than that. But I'd still love to hear you. You've just told me or just said about clients setting up a database. You're going to record data. You're going to ask your clients to interact with that data. GDPR plays right through the heart of this. So just just to give us a little idea of the things you can and can't do around GDPR. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, GDPR was, you know, it was a really big topic a couple of years ago when it was introduced. Um, I think as far as we've been concerned, um, GDPR and its, sort of its predecessor in the UK, the Data Protection Act, has always been really important because, you know, we, we feel very responsible um, in, in terms of you know how we want to run our business in terms of looking after our customers but also making sure that our customers are able to follow best practices as well um, and as a company we're we're very focused on privacy um, making sure that only appropriate things are being done with the data that we hold um, and yeah hopefully that's you know that's very obvious in the way that we deal with our customers and so on as well um, now, as far as the tools that are built into like Blue are concerned, then what we do is we provide you know, a set of tools to help photographers comply with GDPR. So there isn't such a thing as software which is GDPR compliant because it's um, it's an entity, it's a, it's a company um, or an organization that um, complies with GDPR. So as a company, Lightly software complies with GDPR. We've dotted all the I's, crossed all the T's as far as how we manage the data about our customers is concerned. We provide photographers with a set of tools for working with their clients' data. Um, so as far as that's concerned, we act as a data processor. So you, the business owner, are the data controller. It's up to you what you do with that data. We provide you with tools to help you manage that data and use it within the scope of GDPR. So, you know, that comes down to some really basic things. So, for example, if you wanted to um, record uh, details of how and when your clients gave their consent to receive marketing communications, you can do that in light blue. Um, we provide things like um, opt-in checkboxes on things like our contact forms, the questionnaires you can send out to clients. Whenever you're using the communication tools in Lightblue, such as um, using an email template to send out a communication to a set of clients or sending text messages out to a selection of clients, then you can make sure that only people who have provided that consent are included in those communications. Um, We provide tools which allow you to identify old personal data that can be removed. So that's something else which should have came in with GDPR is um, this sort of concept of not holding on to personal data longer than you need it. Now, it's up to you as a business owner to decide how long you can keep that data for um, and um, what the the legitimate purposes of using that data would be. That's going to be covered in things like your privacy uh, policy, um, but we provide you with the tools to, to actually manage all of that. 
Um, when GDPR was introduced, um, I spent a lot of time talking to lawyers um, <laughs> and uh, we've gathered various resources together. So if anyone is interested about that, then have a look at our blog, um, go to the blog on likelysoftware.com, just type GDPR into the search box and that will bring up a couple of relevant things in there and you'll find things like FAQs which cover lots of these points there. So yeah, it's, it's something that there was a lot of noise about a couple of years ago, but it's still very relevant now um, and especially for um, photographers who are entering the industry, then yeah, it's something you want to make sure that you've got set up correctly at the beginning and make sure you're following good practices from the start. Yeah, I think... Um... I know when when we started to see the headlines, it all looked pretty scary, to be honest. And then actually when you mm. drill into it, really, if you're looking after your client's data carefully, you know, if you value their data like your personal data, actually an awful lot of GDPR essentially is a written form of that one ethos. Take care, be sensible, don't upset people, don't do things you shouldn't be doing. With, you know, it's, it's not. Uh, and you, But the thing is, that the reason I bring it up is I think lots of people have shied away from the idea they can keep you know, rich data, but actually you can keep rich data if you do it in the right way. And rich data for you as a business is crucial. You can't avoid it. You, you can't avoid it unless the only channel you've got to market is Facebook because the friendship network you have on there provides essentially the same mechanism. So if, you, if the only marketing you have is Facebook, fine. Otherwise you need, like I do, data. I need to know my client. No, I, I totally agree that you you need to keep um, some data about your clients. But I think what's um, just as important is how you actually go about using that data as well. Yeah. And uh, I think one of the, the good things that GDPR did was um, really highlight that to the general public. And people started to become much more aware about how their data was being used by companies and things like how marketing messages are being sent out to them and and so on. Um, and at the very core of that, I think, is the, the concept of consent. And uh, so making sure that you are sending messages to clients um, that they are expecting to receive and interested in yeah. receiving as well. Um, I think the, the days of uh, just, you know, sending out mass communications in a very untargeted fashion um you know, those days are over um and I, I hope that a lot of photographers are seeing the, the benefits of that by being able to very specifically target the right messages to the right people yeah no absolutely i agree with you on that uh, tell me a little bit about some of the automation that you've introduced into light blue things like uh, automated contracts um entry forms all of those really good things that are in there that I don't use, I have to admit, <laughs> I don't use them, but uh, I know they're all in there. Well, we should get you to start using them then, Paul, because, yeah, the, the feedback we get from photographers about these tools is fantastic. So, I mean, let's let's start with online contracts. Um, and I'll, I'll give you an, an example um, from when we were first testing that. So my wife, Helen, and I were on a landscape photography trip in Iceland while we were beta testing that. And Helen received an email from a client saying that they wanted to book. Um, previously, she would have had to sort of send them a, a, printed, a printed questionnaire, um, her terms and conditions, or maybe she'd send them a PDF and the client would print it out and sign it and, and post it back or scan it and send it back. Um, with the online contract signing system, it's all built into Light Blue. Um, and as far as your client is concerned, they are interacting with a branded part of our website. So you can upload your own branding to it. 
um, and everything is just done in a web browser there. So in a couple of clicks, you can go to that inquiry in the system, uh, send them uh, the contract. You know, if you run a business where you've got several different types of shoot and maybe approach them in different ways, so maybe like the portraits branch of the business is handled a different way to the weddings branch or the, the corporate photography that you do, then all of that is very customizable um, and you can handle all of those shoot types uh, separately. Uh, but in a couple of clicks, you can send that contract to your clients. It'll include a, a questionnaire if you want to. So if you want to get extra details which allow you to provide great service um, on the day, then you can do things like get all those contact details in there. Your clients can read your terms and conditions. Um, you can do fancy things if you want to, such as having kind of optional check boxes and other uh, bits of information in there. So um, going back to the, the question of GDPR that you raised, um, lots of photographers are now specifically asking their clients to opt in or giving their clients a choice of opting in um, to uh, being able to use their images for marketing purposes. You can do all of that as part of it. Um, yeah, and it means that basically your clients are starting to do your admin for you. So instead of you having to manage that whole process, you've just done that in a couple of clicks by sending it out. And the feedback that we get from our customers is that they love it because their clients give them great feedback about it as well. Um, they, the clients find that it's very simple to use, um, and that gives them a really good impression of the photographer and their business as well. So yeah, online contract signing, very popular on the sort of the automation front there. Um, something else that we've been doing more recently is making it possible for you to automate sending messages to clients at various parts um, points in your workflow. So Lightbloom includes the concept of what we call a workflow. And that's essentially a set of steps that you decide you want uh, a particular type of job to go through. So if you've never done this before, it's a really useful exercise to just sit down and think about what all of the steps that you want a particular type of shoot to go through if you want to deliver your best possible service to your clients. And that can be very detailed if you want to. So you could break it down into you know, all of the post-production steps that you do, for example, or it could just be a very high level overview. It's up to you um, to decide um, how you want to work in there. And when you add that workflow to light blue, then it works out the due dates for all of those steps that you need to do. And something that we've done relatively recently is added the ability to automatically send emails and text messages as part of that workflow. And the feedback that we get from photographers, especially from portrait studios, is fantastic because by simply doing things like sending a reminder text message to your client the day before their session, it basically cuts out no-shows, which is you know, it's an enormous time waster. It's, um, it's missed opportunities um, because you, know, you could either be booking someone else into that slot or doing something else with your time rather than twiddling your thumbs yeah. and waiting for your clients to turn up. Yeah, and I work with hair salons quite a bit, and they've said exactly the same thing. As soon as they put in the reminder text the day before, no-shows almost completely stopped. It, it turns yep. out most people don't try and avoid an appointment. They simply forget about an appointment. Uh, so, yeah, we use the workflow stuff all the way through our thing. We don't, I have to admit, we don't use the contract signing. We did implement it. Um, and the feedback we got from the clients that we work with from one venue in particular was such that uh, they preferred the old school posh paper, nice envelope nice pen <laughs> and so we've got we slid back we've gone back to the archaic using paper for that bit but everything else we use your tools uh it's pretty much exclusive well, i'm sure that depends on your clients and yeah the kind of the impression that you see you want to give but um yeah seriously i'd, I'd say the same thing to you as i would to any of our customers 
if you want to take a look at how any of that um, how any of those systems work and how you can best set up to use your business we spend a lot of time helping photographers on a one-to-one -one basis these days. So I've put a lot of effort into making sure that um, we've got the capacity to do that. So I mean, the company, it's myself and my colleagues, Ian and Danny, those two are extremely good at helping photographers get the most out of light blue. And yeah, if anyone has any kind of queries about how those systems work or want any help setting them up, then yeah, we can sort of book some one-to-one -one time with you to go through that and yeah, make sure that you're able to get the most out of those tools. Uh, right, I have got one last task for you. Well, two actually, but one on Light Blue, and then one uh, for my podcast specifically. Task, final task for you on Light Blue as a company is to describe the offer you have on at the moment to help photographers who might be thinking right now is not the time to be paying subscriptions to a database model when in fact their businesses might not be faring quite as well as they were, let's say, this time last year. So I know you've been very generous as a company. Uh, I've taken advantage of, of the offer you have on. Describe the offer. Absolutely, yeah. So um, when the, the pandemic was really starting to, to hit um, Europe back in March, then it was quickly becoming apparent to us just how big an impact it was going to have on the photography industry. Um, and we were starting to see, you know, the effects of that ourselves with things like the postponement of the photography show. Um, but also, um, you know, I used to be a photographer myself. I know lots of photographers. I'm married to a photographer. Um, it was very quickly starting to see the impact on bookings, um, uh, the, sort of the pipeline of, of work that people had coming in or the postponements as well. It was becoming really apparent that a lot of photographers were going to start hurting really quickly. Now, we are a small independent company. Um, we're not Adobe. We don't have <laughs> lots of resources behind us. Um, but it was becoming really apparent that this was going to be really difficult for everyone in the photography industry. And we didn't want to basically stand aside and just watch all of our friends suffering. Um, what I wanted to do was try to work out some very practical ways that we could help people. Now, some of those practical ways of helping people are by making sure that, you know, we provide tools that can help you to be in a really strong position when things start to get back to normal. Um, we're also helping people by making sure that, you know, we're offering as much one-to-one -one training as possible for people who want to start using Lightblue um, and making sure their business is in really good shape. But another really practical thing we could do is to just make it cheaper to be able to use all of those tools. Now, as I say, we're a small independent company. Um, doing something like this hurts. But um, what we decided to do back in March was to offer any of our existing subscribers who um, have been affected by the pandemic 50% off their light blue subscription for three months. Um, it started to become apparent that the crisis is going to be affecting us a bit longer than we'd hoped at the beginning. So we recently extended that to six months as well. Um, and the offer is open to all of our subscribers. So we, we've seen various other companies in the industry um, doing things to help you know, people who are new to their products. Um, but I feel you know enormous loyalty and um, responsibility towards um, my customers, and I just wanted to try to do something to to help everybody you know, 
as immediate as we can. So yeah, we, we've been trying to publicize that uh, as much as possible. So via our email, email newsletter, um, our Facebook group, um, and our social media. But um, I know that sometimes people don't get those messages, um, especially at the moment when people have got a lot on and a lot to think about. So we're just trying to get the message out there um, as widely as possible, um, that if you're a likely subscriber, all you need to do is log into your account on our website. Um, you'll see on our website, there's a big red banner at the top of the website telling people about this, um, but basically go and click in there. And if your business is affected by the pandemic and you need some help with your subscription for a while, then you can go into your account page, click a button in there to apply for that, and then we'll sort that out for you. So that will give you 50% off your subscription for the next six months. Now, of course, if anyone who's new to us wants to do that as well, then we're very happy to do that. But what we're really trying to do at the moment is focus our efforts on making sure that our customers are in the best possible position to, to kind of get back um, back on their feet and get their businesses up and running um, once the, the pandemic starts to resolve itself. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a tremendously generous offer. Um, and I will put links uh, onto the site from our podcast. Uh, I will also top and tail this interview uh, with details about that as well. So that I'll, I'll put some stuff right at the beginning when I do my intro. Uh, for you because that anyone anyone then who listens Thank to the first Paul. five yeah. minutes and decides they don't want to listen to two nerds talking about software at least they'll have had it does it, the thing is i love being a nerd i, I don't know why more people oh, me too. I don't know why more people don't think it's cool imagine being able to write the software that you know you and i use it's a it's a gift it's a lovely thing i, I think for me it's it's um part of it comes from a real need to try to understand things, understand the things around me and how things work. And um, when it comes to kind of practical physical things, you know, I'm, I'm hopeless at things like DIY. I, you know, I don't have the physical skills for that, but I still love being able to understand how yeah. things work and how things are built. And then maybe it's a it's a combination of you know frustration with other things which are out there and. Um, you know, when I was running my own business, you know, wanting to make the most of opportunities, but um, yeah, also knowing that things, you know, could be done in a certain yeah. way, then, you know, that encourages me to do that. But I, I don't know what kind of statistics you get with your podcast, but I'd be really interested if you put any of the dirty stuff in there, what kind of drop off you get <laughs> at what point there. It's probably. <laughs> oh, they started talking nerdy, right? Everyone stop listening. Yeah, I don't know. I've no, I'll keep, maybe I'll leave it in and just see what happens. Uh, either way, uh, I will, I'll at least put all of the flags and things at the beginning and end. It could be a disaster. Who hey, cares? You know, it's, it's a little bit of me. Uh, the podcast was only ever set up for me to chat. It was, and you know, it kind of grew into something oh, bigger. Yeah, it's awesome. It just grew into something bigger, which was an accident. Right, final bit then, final bit. Mm. Um, it's lovely. It is genuinely lovely talking to you. I always make a beeline for you at the photography show and, and other uh, SWPP and a few others because I just it's always entertaining to come and find you. Um, however, this particular question I ask all of our guests on the podcast, you are going to add something of worth to my little library that's actually growing. It's quite a big library here. I've ordered most of the books. Uh, one or two people have been very ambitious in uh, what they've put forward. And, you know, I'm not buying 200 quid one-off books uh, to go in the library. I'm sorry. Uh, however, I would like you to nominate a book that you would add to our library here that you think photographers might get something out of. Now, I'm really glad that you warned me about this question in advance, Paul, because otherwise I think I just freeze at this point and panic. 
Um, even though, you know, obviously, podcast is a visual medium, so you can't see that I'm sat in front of our bookshelves here. Um, but the book I'm going to choose is um, it's a landscape photography book by a photographer called David Ward, and it's a book called Landscape Within. Um, the reason I really like it is that um, well, David published this book soon after I started working as a photographer, and um, my wife had been on a few trips that he'd run um, with a company called Light and Land, and I went along to one of these and really enjoyed meeting David and seeing his work. Um, the reason I love this book is it's not it's not a how-to book. Um, it's not a collection of David's pictures, although he has lots of his images in there and they are beautiful. Um, it's it's a why book. It's basically you know why we respond to images in the way that we do, um, and how you can actually use that in the process of making pictures. And he'd be very upset if he said taking pictures. I yeah. think it's very much a case of making pictures as far as he's concerned. Um, and that might sound really stuffy, but it's it's a, a relatively small book um, and it is very, very approachable as well. So even though it's going into some of like the psychology and the philosophy behind making images, um, it's something that's it's a really entertaining book to read. And the images are gorgeous as well. So yeah, hopefully that's a little bit different. I'm, I do feel bad kind of recommending this though because it's not in print anymore. That's all right. And that's okay. I checked, and I don't think there's a digital version. That's okay. You can find some secondhand copies on Amazon and I buy, I other buy everything. Websites to do secondhand books. But... Pretty much everything on the library I've bought secondhand. Um, so I, I, will, I will go and dig out uh, a link or a couple of links where I can find it's available. Uh, and oh, I feel less bad. Oh about no, no, that no. Yeah. There's uh, some of the best books I've got in here are completely out of print. Uh, I got there was, I think somebody somebody recommended one of the Litchfield ones, which was I mean the copy I've got here now is so battered as to be untrue. Uh, but I don't mind that because at the end of the day, it's still a beautiful book and it sits on my bookshelf. And in some ways, I feel like I've given the book a second life. Uh, so no, you're absolutely fine with that. I love secondhand books. The only thing with secondhand books that makes me laugh. A lot of them on Amazon now, you can buy a good book for about £2 and it's £4 to have it delivered. So in the end, two-thirds of the price are just for the man to drop it on my doorstep and stand two metres back with his mm. gloves on. <laughs> so, no, that's perfect. Thank you very much for that. I will post links to any sources of the book that I can find. But I'll post them after I've ordered a copy. Because <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got caught out with that the one time and there were no copies left by the time I, got, I went to order it. So no, I'm not doing that. Uh, I'll order it first. Well, it's um, yeah, it's a shame it's not available digitally because otherwise I'd, I'd recommend it so that you, you're able to go out and, and download that. Oh, no, um, see, I like I like a book. Yeah. Uh, maybe that's why we still do paper oh, contracts. Absolutely. I like a book. Yeah. You're starting to have a massive bookshelf. You know, you got, you got, you're surrounded by books. There's something, uh, for me, there's something really beautiful about books. I love them. So uh, I'll get a Absolutely, copy. yeah. I mean, personally, I, I like paper books. Um, I love having them on our bookshelves as well. Um, I'm mostly a Kindle reader these days, yeah. though, because the convenience is fantastic. But it does feel slightly soulless. Yes. There's, there's something missing there. And I think one of the things which I struggle with as well is that... Um, not having the the cover of the book sat there and not having the the title of the book and the author's name means if I'm reading a book that someone's recommended, I'll often get to the end of it and I really can't remember who yeah, wrote it yeah, yeah. Or, or sometimes even what it's called. I can, I can tell you what happened. Yeah, um, uh, yeah. yeah my, my problem now with books is that um, as my eyesight over the years is jet gradually deteriorating, 
I find it much easier to read on a Kindle or, Kindle or a device because I can backlight it. Whereas I find mm. print itself, if I'm reading a novel, I find print really hard to read, particularly smaller print. Um, and if the, if the print isn't jet black and the paper isn't bright white, then I have to shine a light at it. And it's really hard to do that every time you're reading a book. So now I like Kindle for that, yes. <laughs> but for all of my photography books, they're always paper. I just think there's something about imagery. Imagery yeah. on paper yeah. for me is just wonderful. So Definitely. I, I don't think you can recreate that um, you know, with, with an iPad. I could not agree with Tom more. On that happy note, bringing this podcast to a close where we focus once more on the value and beauty of printed media. Uh, I'd just like to say thank you to Tom for coming on the podcast and talking about his uh, software, the software that actually has helped us build the business that we have. And also to say thank you for the kind offer that Lightblue have made. Uh, This really is a small industry and when companies like Lightblue provide these kinds of offers to help out existing clients, particularly existing clients. This is not about bringing on new clients as a cheap deal. This is about supporting the very same photographers that have supported them uh, over the years. And I think it's a really good thing. I think it's the kind of action from the trade and the suppliers that we use that is greatly appreciated. If it is something that interests you, please head over to lightbluesoftware.com Honestly, a big red banner appears at the top of the page. Click on that banner. It will take you to a page detailing the offer and how to apply. It was a huge pleasure talking to the guy that wrote the software that is the backbone of our business here. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed the podcast. I really do. I know this one was a little bit techie. Forgive me for that. Uh, I do like to talk technical when I get the opportunity to. Uh, Over the coming weeks, we will have more and more podcasts. Uh, Hopefully, as things uh, unlock, maybe I'll have some stories about actually getting out there with a camera in my hand as well. But until then, remember, stay safe and be kind to yourself. Take care. (laughs) 